0: And welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9am or 1030am, or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our Discipleship Sermon Series Formation. Thank you for listening! You have a Bible. If you'll find Ephesians chapter two, if you uh, don't have a Bible with you in the in the pew, there's a black Bible. It's page nine sixteen. Uh, I think is, is nine seventeen, something like that. So, uh, if you'll find your way to Ephesians two, um, and and we'll jump in. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. That was uh, said by Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was in prison. Uh, just days before uh, his life was taken, I'll read it again. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Just days before his execution in a Nazi camp, prison camp, he was uh, he, he uttered these words, this reminder that we need community, Christian community in our life. Christian community and, and, and the physical presence of Christian community means... Community through Jesus and community in Jesus, that we belong to one another in Jesus. Uh, today, we're going to talk about community, and the need for community, I men, as a church and in our lives. We need others because of Christ, and Christians come into community with other Christians because of Christ. Community is more than essential to the Christian life, it is the Christian life, and to forsake community. It's to disobediently walk away almost from the faith that was once entrusted, uh, man, to you. You Yet, I don't know about you, but how often do I hear phrases like, just me and Jesus, or I don't need other Christians in my life, or I don't need the church. Um, When I was in college, I got saved March 30th, 2000, um, as a freshman in college. Uh, The next week, that Monday, I went to the Christian bookstore and I bought a Bible Um, I didn't know anything really. I'd grown up in church, but I didn't know there were different translations, and so I bought the Bible that I could understand the best. It was called a New Living Translation, Um, and man, I I read that thing cover to cover over the next year um, and really just kind of devoured it, but I bought it Monday. That Thursday night, I went for the very first time to, I believe it was called uh, BSU, Baptist Student Union. Uh, I think that's what it was called, and so it was the Baptist Collegiate Gathering on campus, and I remember walking in, and as I walked in, like I got into the foyer of the meeting space. And these two kind of college students that were older than me, um, but uh, were leaders in the ministry, but still college students, kind of stopped me, introduced themselves, and then began to critique the Bible I brought. And one of them said, you're going to use that? And I said, I think so. You know, and the other one said, how dare you? That's garbage. And I'd never been to this meeting. I never didn't know these guys. And I stood there as a new believer. Again, I'd just gotten saved Saturday night. And I thought now that I was saved, my days of wanting to fight people were over, and, you know, the desire to fight was gone. And, and then I began to think, I think I'm about to get a fight in the foyer because I'm coming here to learn about Jesus, and you guys are questioning the Bible that I chose. And they kept going after me for the next five or ten minutes, and I just turned around and walked out. And I remember leaving going, man, that, that was not at all what I expected. I'm this new believer. I had this kind of fire of wanting to learn more about God, and I didn't even make it in the fo- like into the building. Well, about two years later, I was invited back as a... Um, to speak at that very Baptist student union. Uh, you probably can guess, if you know me, what my message was about and who I directed it at. Uh, I'll be honest, probably wasn't the best message out there, but I remember those two guys were sitting on the front row, and I just did like this the whole message, right? Um, listen, here's, here's the reality. We're going to talk about community today, but I men, Christians can be judgmental, can be harsh, can be well-intended, but flat-out mean, can they not? I don't know if you realize this, but... but uh, Other people, other Christians are sinners, and just like you are. And because we're sinners, but we're called into community with one another, we've got to reconcile this idea of community and the fact that people often hurt us by what they say, right, or what they do to us. I mean, if we did the raise your hand if you've been hurt by someone in church, everyone would probably stick their hand up. We're not going to do that. And in no way is this a message of dismissing that. In fact, this fall, we're going to go through the book of Acts a little bit, and we're going to take a whole month to talk about, man, all this church hurt and all this sketchy leadership and all this stuff. But the reality is to be in community with other Christians is to open yourself up to be vulnerable before other sinners. And when we do that, we give people ammunition to hurt us. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. How encouraging is this so far? Doesn't this want you to make you you have some community, right? Yet, Scripture makes it clear we need others deeply in our lives. So, on one hand, God calls us to community, yet on the other hand, almost all of us could say, I don't know that I want that anymore because I've been hurt by that. But the reality is, Scripture is going to teach that we're better together. We're walking through this idea of formation this summer where we're talking about pruning and planting, that sometimes God prunes and it's hard, and sometimes God plants and it's good. And really, our our, our lives are a rhythm of pruning and planting back and forth. And Two weeks ago, I talked about the need for Sabbath and the, the need for you to pause. And then last week, Stephen preached on holiness. I haven't heard it yet. I'm going to listen tomorrow while I'm driving, but I heard it was really well done. And then today, we're going to talk about community. A Christian who lacks community or formation is like a hollow tree. They might stand tall, but they can easily be cut down Andrew Peterson the artist said this sometimes he plants and sometimes he prunes but in his goodness he intends to reap a harvest of righteousness so no matter what side of the coin you've been on when it comes to in community with the church I would love for you to realize that pruning and planting was taking place that community plays a large role in both the planting and the pruning and the and really the sanctification of you as a believer we don't often consider this, but how often does God do some pruning in some difficult relationships? And how much of planting is the result of relationships with others? So Refuge Church has, has ten values, we say. One of those is, is these two words, and this is what we're going to talk about today, authentic community. Authentic community is the idea that we should be able to be fully known and fully loved, which, to be clear, is the gospel, that I am fully known by God. He knows all of the bad stuff and the little bit of good stuff and still chooses to love me in the midst. This is Romans 5, 8 at its core, that God demonstrates his love for you and I, that while we're in darkness, Christ still died for us. So authentic community is the idea, just like the gospel, that we can be fully known and fully loved. Community is not, let me share my good stuff. Community is, let me share who I am, which is the gospel. We meet God in community. We meet with God in authentic community. Authentic community is where we realize we love each other, we need each other, we rely on each other, and we trust each other. Now, let me be very clear. Doesn't mean we're perfect. And I'll make you this promise, and it's not a great promise, but if you stick around long enough, we will prove that we are not perfect. On some level, I probably, probably already have, but I probably will disappoint you. It's not because I want to, it's because I'm a sinner as just like you are. The church will never be perfect. We will fail, and we are sinners who are not righteous. So we are an unrighteous people trying to gather and worship God together. Y'all encouraged now? So here's the thing. I think about this often. Um, Probably one of my heroes of the faith is a guy named Jonathan. At some point, hopefully, he will come and preach here. When I was a senior in high school, they hired him to be our youth pastor at the church I grew up in. And the first day I met him, I went, hate that guy, right? Just goofy and weird and um, awkward like most pastors. And so... um, and I remember just kind of like, I didn't want to like him either, if you kind of know that, that whole thing as a senior in high school. And about a month in, after I'd met him, I was walking into the sanctuary one day, big church, and you see him walking down. And I did the thing that you do with others. Hey, man, how are you? How was your week? And Jonathan stops, and he pauses, and he goes, well, Monday was, uh, I forgot my quiet time. and Tuesday, I got in a fight with my wife. And, and he starts telling me, like, really, what's going on in his life. And really, I didn't care, if I could be real honest. I just... Just doing the thing we do. How are you? Great. How are you? Great. And we walk part ways, right? And that's what I was expecting. But what I was getting back was real honesty. And literally six minutes into this thing, I'm going, dude, shut up. Like, just walk away. So the next week, I walk into church, and I see him coming, and I did it. Hey, man, how are you? <laughs> i do it again. Right? And he starts doing the same thing to me. Third week, I can remember this like it was yesterday. Third week, I walk in, I see him coming, and I was like, he's not getting me today. I just went up and said, hi. And just like awkward as heck, just gave him a hi and was hoping it was over. And it was kind of over, and then I sat down, and can I be honest? I sat down, man, and I felt like I'd missed something. I felt like I'd lost something. I actually, in that moment, kind of began to long for man, what I had had the previous two weeks when he shared something real with me, authentic with me. And what I didn't realize, and it took me several weeks to kind of figure this out, was, was Jonathan was drawing me into to authentic community. See, authentic community is not how are you? Great, how are you great? Authentic community is I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some of my stuff with you. I mean, in hopes that you'll do the same. So if you'll look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me, in Ephesians chapter 2 and then in chapter 4, which we'll get to in a few minutes, Paul is 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 talking about being made alive in Christ, and he's he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, but a but a big part of Ephesians in chapter 2 and chapter 4 is how he's going to bring people together to become a body, become a temple, become a dwelling place for the Lord because of what Christ has done. So please hear that context. Paul is going to say over and over that that God is bringing people together from all kinds of backgrounds to become a temple of God together because of what Christ has done. So there's this we're together to form a temple of God because of what Christ has done, together with Christ, together in Christ, together to do good works. Let me just say this. To attempt to live the Christian life alone, Paul would say, is self-centered and sinful. So as we enter this, I need you to know you're, not only are you called to be in community, but you're wired to do life with other people. So verse 11 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. So I'm going to read verse 11, then I'm going to pause and talk, and then we'll get back into it. It says, therefore, remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh of hands. Okay, so one of the things Paul's going to do here is he's going to say, hey, at one time before Christ, there were Jews, people who claimed to know God, and there were Gentiles, people who claimed to not want anything to do with God. And in Christ, God has brought them together. So really the next several verses about is about God taking two people who couldn't be more different, who didn't know Christ, who find Christ, and he brings them together. Like you've got to understand that part to understand any of the things he's going to say. Two people, different sides of the spectrum, polar opposites, believe different things, coming together because they know Christ. Still have differences, but in the end they're centered on this fact that they know Christ. So, therefore, remember at one time, you were Gentiles, and he's going to say, "What you are no more." There was—he's saying there was a time, no matter who you are, that you were not a Christian, that you were without Christ, that you didn't know God. He's saying, "Think about those that you know who in, are in the same place today, who have no hope—a neighbor who you've been wanting to invite, but you know they don't go to church; a, a co-worker who you know has no hope, has no community, has no church, has no faith." He's saying, "Men." Put your eyes on that person and be reminded that was you. At one time, that was you. Cut off from God. We must remember where we came from. The only difference is God has been gracious to us, and God longs to be gracious to them. God being gracious to us reminds us of what he has done. Paul here is speaking. Jews, Gentiles, different people. Verse 12, remember that at one time, listen to what he's going to say. One time you were separated from Christ. He's going to use three words that are horrible. Separated. Alienated strangers, hopefully, you haven't, but you probably have had the experience where you walk into a gathering or a party or an event and you got 11 people on one side of the room and you're like, I don't fit in. Why did they invite me? Did they send the invitation to the right person? This is awkward, this is weird, and you leave a little bit sad to Like that whole if you've never experienced that, good, but man. Maybe it's just that I'm weird and awkward, but I've experienced it. I feel like a handful of times in life to know I never want to experience that again. But this is the illustration he's giving us. Do you ever feel like you're an alien? Like you're not part of things, like you're a stranger, like it doesn't fit? I mean, most counselors will tell you that alienation and neglect feel like death. This is what it means to not be a part of community, to be alienated, to be neglected. Remember your life before Christ and before community, is what he's saying. Remember the time that you didn't have community, and and now you have the enemy wins when we are lonely, separated, alienated, strangers. Verse 13, but, here's a conjunction, right? But now in Christ, you who are far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You who were far off, you who didn't go together, man, who were far from God, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus you've been brought near can we just start by remembering what brought us near like what brought you here today i said it this way in the first service i don't know that anyone excuse me if if we had never met all of us in the room those who are first-time people those who have been here from the beginning and all of a sudden today at target we all showed up there at three and we're all in the produce section i don't know we all saw each other and went hey let's go up the street about three miles get in that building and just start singing songs that would never happen. But this is what God has done by the blood of Christ in bringing us near. He's brought all kinds of people who wouldn't have chosen each other together to sing his praises. You didn't, you couldn't, and you can't bring yourself near Jesus. He does the work. But when Christ brings you near, there's no getting away. Being brought into Christ is being brought into community. Please hear me. And when I became a Christian, I also was brought into a new community. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and is broken down in his flesh, in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. So where there are two, there are now one. Where there was a hundred, there's now one. He is our peace, repairing hostile ground. He himself made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Here's what that means. That which didn't go together in Christ now goes together. Jesus' blood is torn down the wall of hostility. Jesus' blood continues to tear down the walls of hostility. Authentic community allows for disagreement, but still peace. Authentic community allows for hurt, but forgiveness allows for drama, but love. Tears that lead to joy, honesty that leads to authenticity, confrontation that's gospel-centered. And authentic community brings peace, where when we look at it, we would go, there shouldn't be peace there. Community doesn't mean we agree on everything. Listen, some of you are still Gator fans. I don't get it, right? Community doesn't mean we agree on everything. That was supposed to be a joke. That just died, didn't it? I apologize. Thanks for the pity left now, though. That makes me feel a whole lot better, right? Here we go. Community doesn't mean we agree on everything, but that we love in everything. In Gentle and Lowly, a book we gave out by Dane Ortlund, he says this, there are a few things I respect more than direct face-to-face gentle disagreement. It's there's something good and godly about it. Verse 15. So by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, taking two people who didn't know God, bring them together in Christ, making a new people, a new community, one that is centered on Christ. So let me, let me say this, and it's so important. This is why as Christians, as those who claim Christ, our preferences are must be secondary to what unites us. What unites you and I this morning is that our lives are centered on Christ, that we have been saved by Christ, that we are sinners, and Christ took our place. That's what unites us. That's also what makes our preferences secondary in our life. The enemy has divided our church, and I don't mean ours, I mean the church globally, by making politics primary in the church Uh, One pastor said it this way, when you mix politics and religion, you're always left with politics. Let me be very clear. Christ is primary, and preferences are secondary. Have your preferences. Have your convictions. Pray the way that God would lead you to pray in those things. But anything that is not of Christ will divide. Christ is primary. Listen, in a year or two, three, we're going to have a big election. And it's going to do what? You're going to get on Facebook and everybody's going to hate each other for like two years. It's going to be terrible. And in that moment, as Christians, we've got to go, whatever I believe about that is important, but it's not primary. It's secondary. And if I make it primary, I'm causing division and I'm no longer part of the community. We are to be a people, listen, made up of different backgrounds, different races. And I'm talking about refuge now. Different politics. Yes, you can agree and worship right, disagree and worship right next to someone who disagrees. And if you can't, then that's a that's a you and probably an idol problem. We already be made up of different backgrounds, races, politics, skin colors, socioeconomic backgrounds, people who've had faith for a long time, people who are new to the faith, people who have weak faith, people who have strong faith, people who can pray for an hour, and people like me who three minutes in go squirrel, right? People who have strong faith, people who have questioning faith, people who are hurting and happy, people who are blessed and talented, people who are weak and suffering. I don't know about you, man, but there are times I'm sitting over there and we're singing. I'm like, man, I wish I could play the drums or guitar or piano or sing or like run a thing or like Stephen would let me stand back there and do a slide, just anything to be a part. Like, but this is the church. We bring all of our gifts together, do we not? And the hurting those who are suffering, those who are blooming, those who are rich, those who are poor. How about this? There are times in our church where you might feel planted and things are good and the guy sitting beside you might feel pruned. He might need kind words and a hug, not critique. Listen, the church is authentic community. It's here's who I am. But in the end, Christ is primary. Verse 16. And that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility making us one body through the cross, killing hostility. When was the last time you prayed, Lord, help me not to have hostility towards people that I disagree with? We are now one body. You cannot do it alone. You're not supposed to do it alone, and to forsake the body is disobedience. To forsake community is really to forsake Christ. Listen, I'm sure you've heard this phrase. I don't need the church Maybe you voted at a time, maybe you've heard other people. I don't need the church, just me and Jesus. The problem with that phrase is you are the church. So that phrase is not theological or even by definition correct. You cannot not need what you are. To say I don't need the church is like saying I don't need my head. Well, you kind of are made up of your head. Without your head, there is no you. You can't really say that. So this is, what's, this is why we must strive to make our church as beautiful as possible to a world that is watching. And man, our neighbors are watching. Because when a church looks beautiful, hear me, its Savior Jesus looks most beautiful. Authentic community makes us one body. And this only happens, this is what the verse we just read in 16, through the cross. This only happens under the cross. This only happens submitted to the cross. And really it happens when my life is individually submitted to the cross. And then I come together and we lose sight of this. Our community as a church will become fragmented and shattered. This is also why church membership is really important. Because this is your way of saying, I am part of this. I'm committing to God and to others, to a community. And I'm here to not only be built up, but hopefully to build others up. I and mean, if you aren't here and, and haven't joined, I, listen, in the most kind and loving way, you probably are just hurting yourself more than anything. But you also might be hurting the opportunity to encourage other people. This week, I got a text just random from a dude that doesn't text a ton. Uh, he's in the first service, so I could throw him under the bus now. But the text was real simple. It was, praying for you today, and he gave me a Bible verse. It hit me like on Tuesday morning, I think, if I had to guess. And I just kind of saw it, and it just, that moment was so encouraging to me. That someone else In my community is taking a moment to pray for me, to consider me. Verse 17, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. He did and continues to preach those who are far off and bring them into the fold, allowing others to experience authentic community with you. Um, I have a a family member who shared with me um, she lost her husband, who was a self-proclaimed atheist probably 10 years ago now. And I remember her sharing with me that uh, I mean, she had stopped going to the church that she was part of the choir in and served in and whatnot because people found out her husband was an atheist and no longer welcomed her back. That's not the gospel. Look at verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. And community is bringing all into the fold. And how can we welcome you in to hear the gospel? We must keep looking for those God is working on. We must work where God is at work. We must work together. And we must invite others into community with us. And if you value the community you've found, consider others in your life who've not found it. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access into one spirit and the father. Through Jesus, we both have access to God. A glimpse of heaven. We come to God together. Man, man, when you pray, and you pray, God, I pray that I would meet with you today, or I'd encounter you today, or your presence would be near. Man, do you also pray that for others that are in your community? Verse 19, so then we are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Remember how this started? Hey, remember, you were a stranger. You were an alien, but now you're not. That is the most profound thing you might walk away with today. At one point, I was an alien. I was completely alienated. But because of the blood of Jesus that brought me near, what? No longer. I'm no longer left out to dry. I'm no longer alone. I'm no longer hopeless. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're citizens, fellow citizens and saints, and you're members of the household of God, those who are in Christ. He's saying we're a family. And we're, we're a family that's authentic community. God, I wrote these four things down. I think they're really important to community, and then we'll press on. There's more. Um, but number one is k- accountability. And we throw this accountability word around like a weapon. Um, like, i got to have an accountability partner who can ask me really hard questions. And that's probably a good thing. But the best form of accountability is somebody that knows you, and they can just tell that you're off. That's way better than, hey, did you struggle with something this week? Because you're probably not going to be honest. What's way better is somebody that knows you, knows when you struggle, knows how you struggle. And they go, hey, I just noticed you're not, you're not yourself. Number two, uh, man, for authentic community, vulnerability. If, if you're not going to be transparent, be vulnerable, share some really deep stuff, don't expect others to. And expect that relationship to go surface deep only. Vulnerability. Man, honesty. Honesty. I want to be honest, number three, with who I am and what God's doing in my life. Again, the greatest gift that my mentor Jonathan gave me was teaching me to be honest. Some of the stuff he would say in the sanctuary that he had struggled with that week with other people listening, I was always like, dude, shut up, people are listening. And let me say this one. Everybody wants to fight about it, but it's really important. We, we tend to dismiss it because of fear of man. But confrontation, confrontation shouldn't be avoided. There's a godly way to come to someone and say, I see this inconsistency in your life. Now, that's not like the freedom for you to go attack people and confront them later. But that's the opportunity for you to not fear man and to go, man, I think God has asked me to say this to someone. These are, these are important. Verse 20, let's press on. But so it says in verse 19, you're a fellow citizen, a saint, member of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles as prophets, with Jesus being the cornerstone. And the, the, the cornerstone, the thing that holds our community together, look, is not you, it's not me, it's not the elders, it's Jesus himself. So, so it's not relying on, man, I, I've got to make sure that I connect with 38 people this week. No, you rest in the Lord, and you go to who he calls you to go to and build community where he tells you to build. Verse 21 in whom the whole structure is, and I love this, being joined together. So it's, it's this idea is it's not complete. Our community is not complete. It's gonna work in progress until we go to heaven one day with Christ. It's never gonna be perfect. We're always gonna be, man, we're always gonna be progressing but never arriving. This is Romans 5, the first couple of verses where it says, I'm complete in Christ, but at the same time, I'm growing in Christ. Like Christ sees me as complete because of what he's done. At the same time, I'm growing, meaning I mess up, but I come back to him and repent, and and I'm forgiven and start anew. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his Spirit. Do you know the, the greatest part of your community is this? Is you're being built together into a temple where the presence of God shows up. Like just because Stephen strums the guitar doesn't mean the presence of God shows up. I mean, you get some people that start to really love each other, and they really love God, and they want to encourage each other. The presence of God will show up, and it'll be way better than anything Stephen can do. And Stephen's pretty good, but hear me: when community is where the presence of God is going to show up. That's why you turn on a podcast or a worship song on Thursday, and it just doesn't sound as good in your car or by yourself, because you're missing the togetherness that God has built into all of this. Now, if you will look at Ephesians four, just just kind of jump over to verse one. Um, I'll go kind of fast. So how is authentic community expressed? So unity in the body of Christ, unity in the temple of God, in the presence of God. Chapter four, says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord, chapter four, verse one, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So how is authentic community expressed? What does it look like? There's calling involved. Then what is the calling on your life What have you been called to? Who have you been called to minister to, to share to, to pray with? How about this? Verse 2, with all, ready? Humility. Humility. Man, community is expressed through humility. What is humility? It's not about me and it's not for me. I am not the man. How about this word? Ready? Gentleness. Anybody struggle with gentleness? Gentleness. I'm the only one? Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for the head nod. Appreciate that. I know there's a few men. I've seen some of you men struggle with gentleness. You might want to be honest. Yeah, like you ever seen me with a Starbucks cup trying to get the lid on? Like like, gentleness is not a gift, right? But this is how authentic community is expressed. So I've got to learn to be gentle, right? How about look at this next word, patience, patience, patience and gentleness just kind of go against my flesh in every way possible. How about bearing with one another in love? One of the reasons Paul is saying that this is how it's expressed is because oftentimes we hear the word community and go, let me go look for my best friend. And let me be clear, that's not often community. You may find best friends here, and praise the Lord for that, but they may be very different than you. Some of this, this patience, gentleness, bearing with one another in love, meaning you may find yourself in a place where you're pouring out a whole lot more than you're getting back. But that's part of community sometimes, because that's what's needed. Verse 3, he continues. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Man, do you show up to the church eager to maintain unity? Or do you show up to church trying to serve yourself with your agenda? There's a church in North Georgia, I kid you not, and right down the middle of the church sanctuary, there's a green carpet on one side and red on the other. Man, in some ways, it's like just burn the thing down, like you've missed the point altogether. Man, are you eager to maintain unity? And one thing I pray we never do as a church is sinfully gossip and slander other faithful gospel churches and ministries. And that is not our role. Listen, those who slander others to you are going to slander you to others. You do realize that, right? So every time you open your mouth, man, and you talk about another church, man, have this verse in mind. How can I eagerly build up the unity of the church globally? And I realize there's some wolves out there. We're not talking about them. We're talking about, man, are they faithful? Are they different? Fine. Are they faithful to the gospel? Praise the Lord. Why? Verse 4. There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord. Verse 5. One faith. One baptism. These are the things we share. These are the things we have in common. These are the things that our, our community is forged around. One God and Father over all who is in all and is through all. This is what makes us community. That we have this in common. This is what marks us as together. Look, you look around the room, there are a ton of differences in the room, but these are what bring us together, and these are what are primary. Verses 11 through 16, you're going to see how the function of an authentic community. He says, he, say, he gave, I love that he's going to give out some like, some roles in the church, and there's zero hierarchy. It's not like this guy's here, then, then it's like one, two, three, but it's just here are the roles. He gave some to be apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. So he said, man, you got a role to play. You got a function. To equip, why, the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Hear me, church. We will be most effective when we love each other. And we will be least effective when we don't love each other. Listen, verse 13. And when we function this way, look what it says will happen. We will maintain the unity of the faith, we will have the knowledge of the Son of God. How about this? We will mature to manhood, into the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. And when we do that, it says there's, there's a provided, in th- that the body, the members are staying in check so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about in every doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Like, I, I don't want to dismiss all this happening with all this deconstruction that we've all heard. I mean, I do wonder if half of these people, if they'd have received a text from someone in the church that loved Christ and said, hey, I miss you, what that might have done to them. And we have a calling to keep those in our community, hear me, in our community. So let me just give you a couple questions to write down that you can think on. Number one, who have you not seen in a while? Because here's what I know. If you text that person, it matters a great deal. If I do it, they say, well, he has to do it. He's the pastor. Who have you not seen in a while? Man, I, the amount of times I've texted somebody that I haven't seen them in several weeks, and they pop back in the next Sunday, it, 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 it's unbelievable. How about this? Who can I invite to sit with me? Who can I invite to sit with me? Who can I invite to lunch? And as it happened in the first service, it'll happen here. If you do that today because you're trying to build community, they're probably going to go, can't go today. (laughs) Don't give up. How about this? Who can I pray for and check on this week? Just write a name or two down. And the name that the Lord's going to bring to your heart right now. These are your community. Verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ, for whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint. With which it is equipped, and which each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in what? In love. And so here's the question: So how do we get to verse sixteen? I think it's I think it's simple question, hard answer. It's not how am I finding my community, but ready? How am I giving myself away? Because the tendency is to go, what am I getting from this? But what Scripture would say is, man. How am I giving myself away? And let me just say really clearly, I don't want to dismiss church hurt, people hurt people. It's awful, and I'm so sorry if it's happened to you. At some point, you will probably get hurt here. I don't want that. I pray that it not happen. One of my prayers in my journal, you can go get it and read it, is God, help us not to screw this up. Because people hurt people. I mean, how you respond when you get hurt in church and in community matters. And so if you are hurt or you've been hurt, Or if it happens to you, please come and talk to me or one of the elders. Because while people hurt people, Jesus heals people. So, what I want to do is is, is close with the four things I just want to share with you that I think will foster authentic community in your life. Uh, Just four things, you know, maybe be helpful. Number one is move towards others. I think oftentimes we expect them to move to us, to be invited out, versus to do the inviting. Invite somebody to coffee, invite somebody to lunch. Or just walk up to him and start talking, but move towards others. No hidden agenda. Why? Because Jesus moved towards us, did he not? that This should be the agenda of our heart. Jesus moved towards me. That should, that should man, man, put a desire in me to move towards others. And man, for us, man, there should be a, a, I mean, something flashing in our brain when we see someone here who's alone. That should be a 911 emergency. I'm going to move towards them. Number two, be personal and pray. So if we get together and pray and I say, hey, would you pray for, um, you know, like uh, the spaghetti I have to cook tonight? And that's all I share with you. That's all I'm going to get back. But man, if, if I go like Jonathan and I begin to share some stuff, you'll begin to share some stuff. Be personal and pray. Number three, this is not popular, but I think it's really important for the church. Talk about Suffering. We are so scared to sound like we're bleeding all over the place. Somebody's going to just judge us. Talk about suffering because nobody's life is perfect. We're all walking through something. There's some darkness and there's some heaviness in almost every season of life for all of us. Man, talk about suffering. Your life is not perfect. And hear me, that's okay. We live in a broken world where until Christ redeems all things, it's going to be broken, meaning your life is not going to be perfect. So talk about suffering because when you talk about suffering, you give permission to somebody else to talk about suffering. And, and, and something man, beautiful and spiritual happens when we begin to bring those, those, those griefs up together in community to the Lord. Number four, talk about sin. Talk about sin. Not like I had a mean thought of the guy that cut me off in traffic, but talk about the stuff you don't talk about. John Owens said this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And the way you kill sin, if there's sin in your life, you just can't get a grip on, them. the way you kill it is you bring it to the light. You, you expose it to the light. James tells us, confess your sins one one to another that you may be healed. And let's not be a church that shows up and goes, how are you great? How are you great? And we don't talk about our sin. We are sinners. We are great sinners. But look at me, ready? We have a great Savior. And he really loves us. This is what we just read in Ephesians 2. He loves us so much that he bought us by his blood. Therefore, we can stand out there, have coffee, and go, this is a rough week. I really struggle with my sin. And somebody can say, man, I'm sorry. Can we pray? And we can say, yes. And we can, in that moment, exalt the fact that we have a great Savior. Because that's all that matters in the end, church. And that's what binds us together as a community. Can I pray for you? Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. God, we love you. And we thank you for a... Uh, thank you for community and the gift that it can be and the gift that it is. Lord Jesus, would you help us to be a welcoming people, drawing others into community? Lord, would you help us to be vulnerable? Would you give us courage to be vulnerable? Help us to be wise as you place people in our life? Lord, would you draw us to you? God, would you use the community you're building here to stir, man, just a deep longing and a deep affection for your son Jesus in our lives. Lord, if we're members here, we're part of this church, or we need to be members here. Would you help us to see that our role, man, is, is to be a part of this community. We're not an outsider. We've been brought in by your blood, Lord Jesus. Help us not to miss that. Help us not to miss that we need each other. God, would you draw us uh, to you? God, would you help us to stir one another on to good works. God, we need you and we love you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejaxchurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.